Hi, and welcome to the Slush Podcast. As you probably know, Slush is the world's leading startup event. You're about to hear an interview conducted at Slush 2017 on the Founder Studio stage, where the biggest names in tech sit down for an intimate Q&A. Corinne Vigre is the co-founder of TomTom, the root planning service. Anna Ratala interviewed her about solving mobility problems and addressing the challenges of autonomous driving. All right, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, great to see so many of you here. And of course, Corinne, thank you so much for having the time to speak with us today. Um, I think to, to kind of, um, I suppose, uh, kick this off and understand who's in the audience, maybe just with a raise of hands, uh, how many here are entrepreneurs? A few. Investors? Not really. Uh, Entrepreneurs-to-be? Ah, that's great. And ladies as well, <laughs> even better. <laughs> so it's going to be an interesting, an interesting conversation. I think we can probably uh, kick this off uh, with, uh, you know, um, I was just listening to your talk on, on stage and, and, and kind of have, have listened to some of the other talks that you've given. And I think one of the... Um, uh, things that kind of strikes me in, in your way how you talk about the business is the positivity and that kind of attitude, the optimism that you have towards, you know, business, entrepreneurship, and you guys have done, you know, a lot of pivots as well. And, and you know, the business always goes up and down. So how would you see the importance of a mindset, you know, when you are an entrepreneur and when you're either starting or going through tough times, what's the importance of the attitude and how do you see that? Well, I think it's, uh, I always say, uh, resilience is key. Huh? If you uh, embark on a big entrepreneurial journey, it's never going to be plain sailing. So I think you have to, uh, you have to be a little bit crazy. Um, it's, uh, it's very hard at times. So I think you need to focus on the, uh, on the positive. I think that's, that's a way to go to a happy place when things, the chips are down and never lose sight of what it is that you're trying to do. So I think you do need a good dose of, uh, Optimism. Also, the team you work with, I think for me, I, I keep going back to that. Um, you know, along our, our journey, when, uh, when things were not, you know, were, were difficult, I think there was always one of us in the founding team and with our senior management team that would pull the others. So I think it's an it's a entrepreneurial, it's a team journey, and, uh, and that's what kept us going. But also our customers. Uh, the problem we were solving, the feedback from customers, you know, when you get letters that you uh, saved marriages, when you've got people who get back in their car, old people who didn't dare to drive anymore. So when you look at the positive impact, uh, when I see people driving with my product or uh, using our watches, you know, it's a great big satisfaction. So that keeps you going. That's great, and I think that here's uh, also some good advice for us Finns as well. Uh, we're not always known for positivity, but here's some, some good advice. Uh, so I'm going to take the, the first questions from the audience through a slide on now. Um, how did you come up with your idea helping to establish the company? How did you come up with the idea of what Tom Tom was, uh, the, the original idea? And perhaps also how did you then kind of you know, navigate it through the pivoting and... I think it's a bit, you should never think that uh, as entrepreneur, you don't get up one morning with a great idea and, and go at it. I think it's a, it, it's a journey. So we started making software for PDA. So we were very good at making easy to use software. And then you evolve. Huh? So uh, before you come with the product, we, we actually was the base of our success. It took probably 10 years. And for those 10 years, you build insight. 
So you build knowledge, you understand your, your customers, you uh, understand the need of the market, uh, you've tried things. Um, and I think that's, uh, that's what you do in the first few years. And, and you know, people sometimes say, well, they were entrepreneurs at five-year-old, they were selling lemonade, and 10-year-old, they were you know, doing uh, whatever. I think I was never... Uh, I never thought when I was a young girl I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, I, I had the luck of working for a big uh, tech company uh, at Scion in the late 80s, early 90s, and I got the technology bug. I saw what technology could mean. You know, we were. I remember that our computers were used for the first for counting the vote in the first democratic election in Hungary, and I could see the power of technology. And uh, and it was a uh, and, and the speed that. That's something I really liked. So, so first of all, I decided that it was an industry I liked. I liked. Uh, and then there was serendipity. I met those three guys, and they were doing software. I was the sales girl, and uh, we got together. And I think that's uh, that we set up the company, and then we kept going. I think that. Uh, so I'm afraid there's no magic recipe, but. Um, uh, no, there's no magic recipe. Well, it's interesting. So, so also meeting the right people can kind of. Yeah, Give think, that push. Yeah, I think that serendipity is key. I think you find out that a lot of companies start at university, so a lot of uh, team are built uh, university friends, and uh, they, they, there's a lot of trust there. At the same time, sometimes it also doesn't work out. I think especially when you scale, what you find out is uh, you're you have people who are very good at running companies with 20, 30 people. When you get to critical mass, uh, you need different skill sets. And I think one of the key is very quickly to identify who can keep and take you to the next stage of the journey and who can't. And I think those are difficult choices you have to make. I, I didn't think, you know, I, I remember in the early days saying that 100 people, I, I stop, it's not for me. 500, I stop, and anyway, 5,000 later, you're still there. And I think you just adapt and you keep going, and, and you always question yourself, I'm adding value, uh, you know, is this doing what, is what I'm doing, yeah, contributing. I think you, as a leader of an organization, you always uh, doubt. You never hesitate, you have to make decisions, but you always doubt, and I think that's, that's healthy as well. You need to, to keep your feet on the ground, you need to keep, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're doing... Yeah, you're, you're on a mission and you've got to, uh, yeah, to make sure that you're the right person to lead the business. And as a kind of follow-up question, so uh, now that you talked about how you kind of come up with an idea to start something, and these days, uh, you know, a lot of the startup entrepreneurs, they pivot a lot, right? So you kind of change a little bit your direction. It's kind of uh, almost like a buzzword, like you're almost supposed to do that a couple of times before you find that, right? So... How do you kind of identify when is the right time to change that direction? Because many wait maybe too long and then you're reacting to what the competitors are doing rather than, you know, being proactive. How do you know when to change direction? Yeah, I think it's important to keep your ears to the ground and be very uh, focused on your customer feedback. I mean, at the end of the day, you, you, everything you're doing is for that customer experience. So you get relatively quick feedback, especially it was more difficult for us, but in the days of internet, you get that feedback very quickly. Um, and I think you've got to always... Arrogance is sometime in the way. You've got to know that something's going to come from somewhere, and, and you need to be aware of where disruption's going to come from. It's important to know that. At the same time, you need to also follow the, the uh, you, you have a, a point of the horizon of what you're trying to achieve, and you need to follow that goal. But sometimes when it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You also have to uh, be prepared to uh, say goodbye to an idea or, or a product. And uh, so it's, uh, again, there's no magic recipe. But 
being, uh, yeah, your, your ears on the ground, really listening to customer feedback, um, and being uh, keep a good level of uh, humility uh, is uh, is a great. Uh, at least that's helping. That's great advice. <laughs> All right, let's take the next question from Slido. This is uh, a little bit more uh, um, on the technical side of the actual kind of industry. What is TomTom's current view on open data? And how have you thought about contributing the GIS data you have back to the communities? Yeah, so we, we are, so if you think about, uh, yes, yeah, so it's something you, you think about, how to, to deal with the data. In the, we have a lot of data at the moment. If we were making that open, I'm not sure that people would know what to do with it. But I think this, uh, yeah, you, you're looking at the technology you're developing and how that uh, uh, today it's, it's important to be as uh, for people be able to plug in, have open APIs so people can build on the top of what you're doing. So it's something that we're, we're always looking at, yes. Yeah, very interesting. Um, Remember to submit if you guys have uh, any other questions through Slido. Does anybody have, do you have a question? Do you want to ask? Sure, we have also the mics over here, so you can also ask a question. What do you think the best way is for a, a technology university to stimulate their students to become entrepreneurs? I think that's, uh, so we, we acquired a company last year in, uh, in Germany called Autonomous that was a spin-off from a research center in, the, in a university in Germany. So I think sometimes the university will start a particular program and then they need uh, the students that have been working on it will take that further and set up a company to, uh, yeah, to take this into the, the private world. So I think that's a healthy dose of uh, collaboration between universities uh, and the private sector. I think we don't have enough of that today. Uh, when I look at the model in Silicon Valley, uh, the ecosystem is much more tight-knit uh, between the universities and the companies and there's a lot of bridges between the two. And I think in Europe, we could do with, uh, with reinforcing that collaboration. Uh, as I said earlier on, things are moving very fast. Uh, we need pure research. At the same time, we need to also trial and have uh, access to uh, data. and We need to be able to, uh, uh, to, to trial what, you know, the, the, the pure academics. So I think that uh, what university could do to encourage is actually get those bridges uh, with the private sector and, uh, and so that uh, students can feel, okay, now it's time, I can take that idea and, uh, and take it to the world and release the IP as well. Perhaps kind of as a follow-up question to that, how important do you see the role models then for the young people, those entrepreneurs that are out there? Because right now, of course, you can you know, you can read about Mark Zuckerberg and whatnot, but to many people, he may not be somebody that they can relate to because he's, you know, already achieved so much. So how important do you see, um, you know, having role models that actually go and, and talk and inspire young people? Yeah, it's always difficult, but uh, I, I didn't think it was important, and I realized it was, especially uh, there's very few women in technology, uh, for example. And so I realized as well, one of the reasons why I go and talk is to, uh, we need more, more younger women to, to embrace uh, entrepreneurship. I think that uh, I want to try and show that it's fun. Uh, especially in technology, that uh, the world is changing at rapid pace, and uh, you know the world is made of half women, half men, and uh, women have to be play their part in changing that world, and and the digital uh, economy is there. And I think that uh, I just want to show that it's possible. I was, uh, um, I think it's important to get more girls in science. Uh, we have too few uh, women engineers. 
which is interesting because uh, in some computer science degrees, you see that uh, coming out of those degrees, uh, you've got actually 50-50 men, women, but you find very few uh, girls afterwards uh, pursuing those careers. Um, and Why uh, do you think that is? Yeah, because sometimes it's a bit of a masculine environment and uh, the girls tend to find themselves a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, but I think that needs to change. And I think that's, that's all. I, I feel that as our responsibility as a leading uh, technology company, we, are, we, we can play a role there in making it a nicer environment for women, making it easier for women to come back after maternity leave uh, and making sure they contribute. Because innovation is made about... I'm a great believer that innovation is made of people looking at the world in different ways. Uh, and that gender is one of them, socioeconomic background is one of them, uh, cultural, uh, multicultural is one of them. And that's why I think we're well placed in Europe uh, to, uh, to really embrace that. And uh, there's a lot of, you know, and carry that innovation forward. So more women entrepreneurs, more women technology, get my vote. That's a great message, I think. And, and I'm sure you're one of those people that, you know, uh, the young students look, look up to and say, hey, if she can do it, I can do yeah, it. Right? If I can do it, I can tell you, you can do it too. <laughs> Great. Do we have and more? It's fun. It's, I, I think I also want to, uh, you know, running your own business, it's difficult, but at the same time, it's also fun. Uh, you're in charge of your own destiny. You make your own decisions. So I think that fun aspect is also something that's important. Working with nice people, with a good team, uh, you know, making, changing things, making things happen, that's very satisfying. No, for sure. Um, and actually, we just found out, uh, you know, at the at the talk that Karin um, had at the at the founder stage that she has actually been working with her co-founders for was it twenty six years? Twenty six years, yeah. And uh, and still working together. So that's that's you know you know that must be fun as well and, and important to, to 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 find that good team around you. Do we have more questions from the audience? Please raise your hand if you have a question, so we can throw you a mic. Yes, please. Can you just uh, can you just talk a little bit more about your um sort of future view for, uh, I guess, wearable technology and where TomTom's going to play within that. Yeah, so I, I think that's what's interesting with wearables is, uh, you remember the whole uh, quantify self movement, the whole thing went crazy, and then uh, you had activity trackers, the whole thing went mad. Um, and what you see is that this market is consolidating very rapidly. And I think uh, what's important for people like us anyway is, uh, is the, 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 the possibility to innovate. So you want to be ahead of the game for any companies, as, or at least when you're an entrepreneur, if you want to really make a difference, you need to innovate. And the, the cost of innovation today in this, in this particular segment is, is getting higher and higher. Uh, so I think we've launched a good piece of software this year. Actually, we licensed uh, algorithm from a Finnish company from First Beats on the VO2 Max reading on the on the wrist. Uh, I think we were the first company to bring uh, heart rate monitoring on the wrist as well and music on the wrist. Um, and I think at the moment uh, it is true to say that we are focusing, refocusing more our effort on navigation. Uh, I think it's the market is getting complex. Uh, it's going to be difficult for us to uh, innovate much further. So we have decided, and I think something we announced in the summer that we were looking at strategic option, and we are refocusing on uh, on the uh, on the navigation part of the business, which is actually uh, requiring a lot of R&D as well. So at some point, you have to make those choices. Right. More questions from the audience? Please raise your hand if you have a question. Can you? Yeah, that's working. Um, so just a question as an aspiring entrepreneur, um, what was your most valuable failure uh, that set you up for the biggest success, if you want? It's a Tim Ferriss question, but I love it. So, yeah. How long do you have? Uh, 
if you, know, you want to hang out after, I'm, I'm in. The, the an entrepreneurial journey is, I mean, so what we have, it was, we've, we've been at it for a long time. So it, it's, it's basically a succession of success and failures. Uh, and uh, one of the big failures we had in 2001, so we're a company of 25 people. We make software for PDAs, and it's the beginning of the smartphone. You can't remember, but there was a time there were two very large phone companies called Nokia and Ericsson who wanted to make smartphones. And that was 2001, and they needed software. Here we were, so we made a lot of uh, software for those uh, phones, and the phones didn't quite make it. So, uh, so as a result, we uh, we basically had to downsize, uh, and I was very tough. And to be honest, at the time, we could have just thrown in the towel. Uh, we. We went back, concentrating on our core business, we was doing navigation. Uh, and that's when we thought there was an easier way of doing navigation. So we're doing navigation for PDAs and phones. And we said, well, if those phones are not coming, uh, the PDA market is was still small. Uh, we should do an all-in-one product. And that's the, that's the time we took the big risk of saying, OK, we're going to make a hardware product. So we were a software company. We pivoted, became a hardware company, and uh, I made uh, that, uh, the first TomTom Go 2004. So from our worst failure came our biggest success. Uh, so that's when we decided to make the, the TomTom Go. Nobody thought it was going to work. Uh, at the time, everybody thought, I remember launching it at CBIT and uh, 2004, and people coming to me saying, you guys are crazy. You're a software developer. You're launching a hardware product. And it's obvious it's not going to work. It's obvious that uh, navigation will come through the car. It's obvious that navigation will come through PDAs. Uh, and the rest is history. The fact that what people didn't see is that actually you only have 15 million new cars per year, but you have an installed car park in Europe of 250 million cars that were not equipped with navigation. Um, and the PDA market was actually very small. So, uh, so that was answering the real problem at the right time. Uh, and that's the reason why the product took off. And that was before internet, social media. So word to mouse was actually the way uh, the product got known in the beginning. We didn't have big marketing budgets, certainly not to start up with. And then we created the brand at the same time. And the brand was a big protection for what happened later. So. From a big failure became a big success. And then after that, we tried a few things. Some worked, some didn't work. But, um, and now we're making big bets again on autonomous driving. So it's never ending. Great. There's another question at the back over there. Thank you. Um, with the rise of um, more people cycling, especially in China, and we can see the expansion going internationally, um, and your core business in navigation, how do you feel TomTom um, can evolve into uh, more people cycling? In cycling? Yeah. Electric bikes, you mean? Um, electric bikes or, or manual bikes? Both. Yeah, so I, th I think the, the way I look at it is that so mobility, city mobility will change. And uh, we don't exactly how it's going to pan out, but what's, uh, what's multimodal transport will boom. Huh? So when cars stop uh, running cyclists over, when uh, the cities uh, uh, get safer, you'll get much more multimodal transport. And, it will be, and the bikes will become, electric bikes especially, will, make, uh, uh, will become more ubiquitous. Uh, in Amsterdam, you have a lot of bikes, but it's a flat city. If you live anywhere else in the world, unless the city is flat, it's a bit more difficult. So I think the role we can play is, uh, is again, in, is organizing that, uh, that transport will become a service. Uh, and I think we can play a role there. But exactly how that's going to look like, I don't know. What I know is that we're very well placed to understand, a bit like we did before we launched the first SatNav. 
as I said, there was a 10 years inside building on how people behaved and what they needed. And we, I feel we're in that phase again, where we're gathering a lot of data, a lot of customer feedback. We're right where it's happening. And I think that will help us uh, you know, find opportunities along the way. More questions? All right, I, I want to, meanwhile, while, while you guys are thinking, um, to go back to what you said earlier about um, you know, when, when you decided to go into kind of hardware and everybody was like, that's not going to work and you guys are crazy and it's going to fail. I think it's pretty common for any entrepreneur or startup that you get a lot of the advice from a lot of people. And on the one hand, people always say, you know, be humble and listen to others. And on the other side, people always say, trust your gut and like, you know, keep your goal in mind. So how do you know when to listen and when to say, I know what, I'm going to do the way I want to do it? Yeah, so I always... I think you need to follow your intuition. I think you always know your business better than anybody else. I mean, you, when you're, especially when it's your own business and you, you kind of, you, you're at it 24 hours seven. I mean, you're just, you're always thinking about, you know, how you can solve this, how you can make this better. So I think you need to follow your intuition. Uh, at the same time, you also need to listen to the market. I mean, you, know, you, you don't, don't, don't flog a dead horse. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I think on the whole, you have a pretty good idea and a good intuition whether your product is going to work or not. Um, what I think the advice could be useful is more on the, on the soft side. So, I mean, I mentor a few uh, entrepreneurs, especially female entrepreneurs, and it's more kind of, I see people who want to dilute very early. So, I'm sorry for the VC in the room, but I always tend to advise people, so, well, try to dilute as, as late as you possibly can. Just try to see what, how far you can get your organization and self-finance. I mean, the, uh, I, always, uh, I always find it a bit strange when people are more proud about the VCs they have on their board than the problem they're trying to solve and I think that's that's uh, so follow your intuition uh, listen to people you trust but at the same time uh, be, be careful and try to understand the motivation of people who try to advise you that is a very good advice um, any questions from the audience at this point not yet well what about you know if you talk a little bit about the future you know for TomTom, what is, you know, where do you see you guys going and maybe you want to share with the audience what's next for, for TomTom and where, where, where are you going as a, as a company? Yeah, so if I look at the, uh, so we have a tremendous amount of, uh, of technology and, and data. So the, the dream has always been to map the, ma the, the world in real time and you need to do this at the lowest possible cost on the global basis. So I think we, we're getting there. Uh, that was the motivation behind the acquisition of our map maker, which also people saw was crazy. Uh, so I, I think that's, so that, that, that's what we're doing. I think the, the big next stage is that uh, autonomous driving will present huge amount of opportunities and it's a, it's a really big problem. I'm, I'm a big believer that technology works when it solves big problems. And, uh, and uh, the mobility, city, urban mobility is a huge issue. Anybody's gone to Beijing recently, you can see that uh, the city is getting completely asphyxiated. The level of pollution has to go down. It's just no longer possible. A lot of too many people die on the road. So I think that um, uh, those, are, those, are the big, uh, those are big issues. And I think we're, we're, we're giving a go at it with our particular knowledge of, uh, of mapping and uh, traffic information 
information uh, or the way we can handle and analyze very large amount of data uh, or relationship with uh, with all the uh, companies we have. We we have a lot of AAA uh, companies uh, we deal with like Apple and Uber and, and others uh, in the automotive industry. Uh, so try to so we have a lot of customer feedback understanding uh, where the, the the problems are. So that that's that's the key for us is to participate in that uh, in that urban mobility revolution as I call it. And it's it's closer than you think. Very interesting. I'm sure we'll be following that journey very closely. Uh, we're starting to run out of time, so maybe just to wrap up, um, what is, I mean, next for, for you, in a sense, as an entrepreneur, right? I mean, you've uh, achieved so much, and you guys have IPO'd in 2005, and, and kind of like you've, you've, you've done so much. So for you personally, within, you know, TomTom, what is it? What is the next kind of goal that you're going for? You know, in, in terms of your yeah, own. Yeah, I suppose I reached a stage. I, I'm what, um, you know, past fifty, um, and I think that. Uh, so I'm still I run the consumer business at the same time. But there's one thing I'm passionate about is education. So uh, I'm embarking on a new uh, on a new venture. I'm uh, creating a coding school uh, in Amsterdam, peer to peer, based on a French model. So I'm a great believer that uh, uh, we need to have access to education. Uh, so uh, and I think that peer to peer model give access to a coding education for people that uh, have fallen out of the traditional system, refugees, uh, or you know, any uh, people who want to reconvert. And uh, so that's my next big uh, area. I'm quite passionate about social mobility. So that's uh, going to use some of my energy to, to do that. And uh, I've learned as well as an organization, talent is key. Uh, how do we get that talent? How do we make sure that the next generation have got access to education, the right level of education. They know how to uh, find information. So peer-to-peer -peer learning gives you that. Uh, they teach resilience, soft skills. So preparing that generation for the challenge ahead. Uh, so that's, uh, that's my next uh, pet project. And I'm quite passionate about it. Well, that's very inspiring, and I love it that there's, it's very tangible. It's a very tangible steps towards something something better. So we're, uh, you know, thank you so much for our time. Uh, it was thank great to, to speak with you. <laughs> Thanks, Karin. Thanks for listening to the Slush Podcast. Find out more about Slush at slush.org. Please rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't yet done so, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.